This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. And we're in conversation with Audi Attar, the founder and CEO of Paradigm Sports, the management team who look after not only boxing legend Manny Pacquiao, but also the UFC's poster boy, Conor McGregor. Plenty to get through, fascinating insights on the way into the rise, not only of Paradigm Sports as one of the world's leading management, business and media agencies, but also Conor McGregor's rise as a UFC fighter and, well, the Middle East's growing influence in shaping the future of the fight game. We wanted to quiz Audi on the origins of Paradigm Sports and how he eventually snared one of the most talked about athletes on the planet in the shape of Conor McGregor. For me, the journey's been a great one. This is our, this was our 10 year anniversary. This year has gone by so fast, now heading into our 11th year, but it, it started when I, you know, I, I spent about seven years working for another agency and I, and I was an athlete myself. I played collegiately college, American football uh, for UCLA. And, wow. and after my collegiate career ended, I actually took a job with an NFL sports agency, worked my way up, and during my time there I realized that uh, athletes weren't necessarily treated the right way, at least per my standards. And a lot of the people that I was working with early in my career were either my former teammates, guys I played with against in college, played with all-star teams, what have you, so there was a fraternity of guys that I was already fortunate enough to start working with early in my career, but philosophically, I did not agree with what I was saying, and, and I, you know, I wanted to create something different, so I went back to business school, and I had a paradigm shift in terms of what I wanted to create. My entrepreneurial fires were lit. I knew that I wanted to build something that was special, not just from a management perspective, but a platform perspective that amplified what these athletes who these athletes are, what these athletes do, and create opportunities for them that go beyond athletics. Okay, just on that point then, because uh, it is remarkable, as you say, celebrating your 10th year anniversary, you've achieved a lot, and I'm not just blowing hot air up your backside with that, or you have in a short space of time. What was it then that you noticed that other agencies weren't doing? Because that might sound, on the face of it, pretty impressive, but give us the long and short. What were agencies not doing in order to build their athletes up? I think they weren't daring to dream. I think they they looked at their athletes as transactional clients. I I negotiate their contract with their respective promotion or club. I get them a sponsor. I get them PR. And that's it. Right? It wasn't, let's create brands. Let's dare to go into sectors that align naturally with you, even if someone told you, you shouldn't be getting into, you know, uh, um, fintech. But if you, as an athlete, somehow had an accounting background, spent a little time interning during even your pro years, and you had the ability of creating something in that sector with experts that had, you had the strategic capital, the right operating expertise, the supply chain route to market, and you're able to align your star power with those experts and create a venture for yourself, why wouldn't you do it, right? Daring to dream, daring to go outside the box is the key. I think that's the first step. The second step was, to me, people that... They weren't necessarily helping these athletes develop their post-athletic identity. For me as a former athlete, you know, I, I, people never gave you credit to be more than brawn. It was all, you know, ah, okay, yeah, that's all they could do. But the reality of it is, is these athletes have amazing work ethic. The mental toughness that we all aspire to achieve as professionals now, we were talking about how old we were earlier, and we are getting old, right? And in, in my old age, I still now try to train my mind more than my body, right? Because that's important even in the business world. 
And I think create, creating a platform where you're really caring about these athletes' post-athletic identity, that's not transactional. You don't make money on that from a management or agency's perspective, but, but it is part of our purpose. And for me, that's where the name came from. I had a paradigm shift. I knew what I wanted to create. It was more than just a transactional business. It was more than just negotiating contracts. It was building a platform, building ventures, and then making sure that not, you know, not everybody's going to have that ability also to create those ventures. So when the sport ends, and usually it's done with you before you're done with it, this, that's usually what happens to athletes is that they, uh, their career abruptly ends with an injury, something happens, and, and they go through post-traumatic stress. It's like, what do I do next? They're scared, they're vulnerable, and they usually have a, a sense of pride. They don't ask for help. Yeah. So to me, there was a purpose that I had to fill for myself, feel good about, and, and quite frankly, then it just started to, to evolve. I started to focus on high-growth sports and really started thinking about things from a business standpoint as well that married my passion and my purpose with also just a smart business strategy. Who was your first major signing what, what, what signing did you feel like I've, I've kind of made a breakthrough here can you remember Michael that? Bisbing yeah. Michael Bisbing Michael Bisbing still a client one of my dearest friends love the guy to death he's done an amazing job in terms of not only what he achieved in his athletic career but then also in his post-athletic identity now and what he's doing so I'm so honored to have been a small part of what he's done, and he's been a huge part of what we've done. And I always say this to everybody, I wouldn't have signed my, uh, Conor McGregor had I not signed Michael Bisping and done a good job for Michael Bisping. And Michael Bisping, who is doing a great job now in the media sphere uh, as a pundit, as an, uh, an analyst for the UFC, fantastic, great insight. And I'm going to say that because he's much bigger than I am as well. Conor McGregor, you've mentioned him there. <laughs> you've mentioned Conor already, and, and it's, it's inevitable that we're going to get there because of course he is in a lot of ways now your poster boy he is the one that let's be frank all your rivals would love to have on your books give us the anecdote how did the two of you cross paths and how eventually did you get Connor to sign on the dotted line so and someone had pointed uh, you know that I get emails and messages from friends and you know associates and, and acquaintances hey you should you should sign this athlete you should sign that athlete and, you know, I never not look at anybody, but I will say there's more noise than there are signals, usually, in, 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 in those instances. Yeah. So someone had pointed out, hey, this, this kid just signed to the UFC, you should check him out. And so I looked, I, I watched his film, and athletically he was great. You know, he was phenomenal. When you, when, you know, you look at the height, weight, speed component, the performance component, strength of schedule, how, and how he was winning convincingly in a, in a very impressive manner that is what initially caught my eye at least because he wasn't on a platform where all his qualitative skills were able to shine through I mean he has an amazing skill and, and as I was sharing with you guys before we, we started filming that a lot of people watch him just for how inspirational he is right and just for his ability to, to speak and and how fun he is and witty he is and you know the, but when I first saw him, it was it was purely on the from a scouting perspective. So um, someone pointed him out and then made the introduction. It was really through initially social media, and, and it was we were talking through DMs, and then we did a FaceTime me, him, and John Cavanaugh. I remember the first time, and that was before his first fight in the UFC against Marcus Brimage, and we had a great conversation. And you know, I put forth my value proposition and how I differentiate and who I am and what I stand for and 
you know, at the time, Paradigm Sports was really me and a couple people, and it was, there's only one person from that era who's still left with us now, right? So it was the beginning days, and but everybody was pitching him in the endemic market, I should say, um, and he believed. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we started. We you said, okay, well, you get through this Marcus Brimage fight, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll meet again. We reconnected after the fight. We agreed to start working together for his second fight, which was his U.S. debut against Max Holloway. We worked together for that Boston card, did a great job, and, you know, he's like, you know, I, I, want, I want to work with you, and it's evolved ever since. I mean, he's not only a great client, he, we're business partners, he's become a brother to me, you know, we've been through so much together, and I'm just so proud that I continue to see him grow, not just from an athletic standpoint, not just from a business standpoint, but from a human standpoint, and that to me is important. Because I wouldn't do this for any other reason at the end of the day. And he's, he has so much more to give to the world, not just to the world of sports, but to the world. And I'm excited about what's to come. What is the Irishman really like away from the bright lights, away from the cameras and away from the screaming fans? But first, does he regret some of his, let's just say, misdemeanors? Uh, throughout his career, especially those leading in to that Khabib Nurmagomedov fight back in 2018 at UFC 229. I, I would say that Conor McGregor is human just like us. Conor McGregor makes mistakes mm. just like we do. And and yes, he regrets a lot of those misdemeanors as you as you called them. I think that's a good uh, that's a legal term back in in the U.S., so <laughs> yeah. I usually don't use that because they were, they weren't he wasn't breaking the law, but, uh, but he regrets, he absolutely regrets the mistakes yeah. he made. And and you know what? I will tell you, even even that the lead-up to the Khabib fight, it was un- some unfortunate things that were said on both sides. Yeah. It's forgotten that it's <laughs> that there's things that, you know, if I, we went back and looked at the previous few years as as Conor was already on top and every other fighter was coming up and you know, the derogatory things that were said about him and where he comes from and in an effort to get the fight, right? And then things were said back that were unfortunate as well. But I could tell you, not only you know, has he apologized to me and my family for things that were said in the heat of the moment but also potentially taken out of context because of the rivalry and the things that were being said back and forth, but he's owned up to them, and he'll continue to own up to them and continue to lead by example going forward. That's the key. Mm. All he could do is continue to just learn from his mistakes, continue to work hard, continue to show his passion, continue to be grounded in terms of who he is as a person, as a, as a human, focusing on his own purpose in life and in, and, and, and a professional purpose as well. And only time will tell, right? At the end of the day... For me, it's exciting now to see where we're going with everything and how, you know, the world works in mysterious and God works in mysterious ways, right? And now we're talking about an event coming up January 23rd and where that event's going to be and how now you're, you're given an opportunity to show the real you as opposed to the sound bites just from an instance, right? Yeah. That was ugly, but ugly on both sides. And, and hopefully all these athletes, all of them, Conor McGregor, they're a fraternity. And one day, we're going to be 60, 70-year-old men coming back to reunions and all these galas and things of that nature. And you're going to look back at these incidences as, as that, was just, that was stupid. That was just stupid. That was young and stupid, and I shouldn't have done that. More importantly, in, in the present day, 
learning from those and saying, but you know, I want to set a better example. I want to do better this time because there's kids all around the world, no matter where you come from, what you believe in, that look up to these guys mm. on both sides. So rather than be divisive, build a bridge because that's what sports could do. It's, it could build a bridge of understanding, a bridge of, of coexistence, a bridge of respect, right? Yeah. Because in the end, no matter where you come from, what you believe in, we all want the same things out of life for the most part, right? And that's important. You can't lose sight of that. Audie, I want to pick up on something that Robbie said there about uh, choreographed because my mum, not a big UFC fan. She thinks it's WWE. She does not <laughs> quite think it's WWE. My mum's more of a football and a darts fan, is my mum, Mrs. McCarty. She loves a bit of snooker as well, in actual fact. She's old school. But one thing she does know, she knows who Conor McGregor is. Now, to, to come back to what Robbie said about choreographed, hmm. give us the long and short of it. You've already said to us that you have looked at things differently. In that first meeting with Conor, the conversation you had with him, over a few days, I'm sure it was a few meetings. Has everything that has happened since been planned by you and your boffins? No. <laughs> okay. Listen. No. No. <laughs> it has not. He, Connor, first and foremost, is, again, he's a global icon for a reason. Not just for his athletic ability, but he's so entertaining to watch. He's so inspiring to watch. And his story and how he re really manifested it through his own beliefs and you know, the, power, the laws of attraction and all the things that he used to, to believe in and you referenced the, the book, documentary, yeah, right? And the documentary. Um, yeah. All these different elements of, of his journey are relatable. And I think that's what makes him special is because when you turn on the telly or you, you, or you search him up and, and I just use the term my daughters say now, search him up. So that's a new thing, by the way. The kids <laughs> say search him up, not Google it anymore. Um, you watch all those all those entertaining clips or moments and you're you say that's a guy that's, that's, my, that's a guy I either train with or that's a guy I went to school with or that's a guy I work with or that's me or that's how I feel he's very relatable right um, but he's the charisma and the wit and the intelligence is not planned it's not staged it's not choreographed it's not written it's him and that's what makes him special a couple. Do you get a heads up when he issues a retirement tweet? Uh, because he's done uh, unfortunately, that unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually the one having to deal with it after, after right? Um, but but again, that's that's also what makes him special. Yeah. You know, like there are times where we have these you know real conversations. Like you can't do this. You can't. And there are times you're like you just you. That's who he is. You you can't change your people you got to amplify who they are but at the end of the day too, help them become the best versions of themselves right learning from the mistakes refine refine the, you know soften the edges so to speak because you know nobody's perfect but at the end of the day that's our job our job is to amplify optimize but more importantly help guide and also you know help them improve so they keep evolving because we all need to keep evolving in everything we do. Let's come back to something you've already touched on, his next bout. He's stepping back into the octagon. It I didn't say where it was. I just, you know, so this I, is, this I, is what I want, at it. This is what I want to get to, because you're in Dubai, so I'm putting two and two together, and <laughs> hopefully I'm spitting out four on this one. But the date's confirmed, January 23rd. It's UFC 257, Connor against Prorier for the second time. It is uh, the second time that these two men Correct. will meet. 
Abu Dhabi, the Etihad Arena, you know when I'm going with this, it is built. We are led to believe that safety tests have taken place. Dana White on Barstool Sports a couple of weeks ago said they built it for us. I'm not sure, Dana, they did build it for you, but it's a great venue. It's world-class, state-of-the-art. Is that? How close? Give me a percentage. Well, so I, here, here's what I'll tell you. January 23rd is happening for sure. Yes. There's no question. Um, and Dana White and the UFC did a great job, and... and the United Arab Emirates government, particularly Abu Dhabi government, and Yas Island, Fight Island, yeah. was a phenomenal hit, and I think the world needed it, right? It was the first sport back during a pandemic when, you know, everybody was at home doing the same thing all over the world. That was the most unique thing about what was going on right now is that, you know, clients, friends from, you know, Asia to Europe to, to North and South America were literally doing the same thing all at the same time. Mm. And that's for, for the UFC to have the gumption yeah. and, and really the foresight to say, let's do this, but let's create these protocols. And the Abu Dhabi government to, to help them create this bubble was phenomenal, right? Uh, that was exciting. It was great for the sport, which obviously I'm, I'm, I'm involved with and I'm a fan of, so I was really happy to see that. Um, and it also then just opened up the opportunity to continue to do more here. So I was saying earlier, God works in mysterious ways, but he doesn't make mistakes. Everything he does, everything that happens is for a reason. Yeah. And so now we're talking about January 23rd. Again, God, does, God works in mysterious ways because when we initially were talking about January 23rd, it was like, where do we have it? Was it going to be in Vegas? We initially said, let's do Dallas Cowboys Stadium. We have a great relationship with, the, with Jerry Jones and, 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 and the Jones family. So that was the initial thought, right? Was, was It was going to likely be in the U.S. because U.S. pay-per-view times and, and all the different elements of the business that, that you, know, you kind of think through. But now what's happening with the world again, there's different parts of the world are are reopening back up. Yeah. The U.S. is shutting back down. Mm. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of, you know, what's going on. But, you know, the UAE has been ahead of it in terms of not only, you know, from a, from a testing protocol standpoint, but now the vaccine and getting the world back on its feet, really. When we first heard the news that it may be in, in, in Abu Dhabi again, we were excited because I was like, this, this, is, this is not a mistake. This, mm. this is meant to happen. Why not? And, you know, I think... We, we first thought maybe it was going to be Fight, Fight Island, the bubble, and, and things of that nature. But then, you know, Dana, Dana's been on, on uh, record Barstool, saying yeah. this publicly and, and bar stools and other outlets, you know, that, you know, fans and this and that and pool parties and all these things. And so, I, you know, what I would say to that is, you know, it's not 100% been confirmed, so I'm only sharing what's been, you know, yep. uh, said in the Would public. you be surprised if it wasn't in the UAE? I would be surprised if it wasn't in the UAE, yes. I'd be surprised if it wasn't in the UAE. I'll, I'll say that. What of Connor's aspirations long-term and a mooted fight with another of Audi's clients, Manny Pacquiao? Now, there are those and I very much include myself in all of this, that question the sporting integrity. Any boxing bout involving an eight-weight champion in the shape of Manny Pacquiao, and a man who, lest we forget, has fought just once professionally. Now, I take the point, that one fight was against arguably the greatest exponent of them all in Floyd Mayweather, but still, it's one fight. Audio had this to say. Is it questionable? I mean, there's... I mean... 
you see boxing matches with YouTubers going on. Well, exactly. That's kind of where we want to get to because you know, on the on the flip side of that, yeah. now, I don't know. Again, that I don't, I, I don't have a, I'm not privy to a sort of behind the scenes of the Mayweather McGregor fight, but then many people would say that Connor absolutely excelled in that fight and gave Mayweather, you know, more problems than, than some of his professional boxing. And, I, and I would even say that Floyd was lucky because the Conor McGregor of present day is a more mature Conor McGregor. He's a, not just a way better athlete and better boxer, but it's just a, he's an evolved human being in all aspects. So it would be a different outcome. I, I oh, guarantee that. I, I guarantee that. Floyd gave us 10 weeks, 10 weeks to prepare for that fight. Conor McGregor is a different different specimen right now. Not, not just athletically, but if you, if you look at him athletically, he's light years where he was, even in his last fight. So, and I can't wait, and you know, I'll just let January 23rd do the talking first in MMA. And what I would tell you You honestly is, believe Connor could beat Floyd in a boxing bout? I do believe it. I think, I think he could beat him in a rematch, for sure. I think he, he, he uh, it's, like, it's like when you get that experience and you understand where, where you went wrong, you're a different person. That's why it's going to be so fun, and that's why I think Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor will happen, because Manny Pacquiao, too, sees that challenge for himself. Does he see a challenge? You, you know what I'm going with this. Does he see a challenge or does he see the, the dollar signs? I mean, look, at the end of the day, the dollar signs are there, but you're talking about two very successful individuals, right? Manny Pacquiao doesn't need this. Conor McGregor doesn't need this. So they're both at a, a place in their careers where the competition is what is, is driving it. The, the, the challenge is what's driving it. For Connor, it's like, well, I missed opportunity Floyd. Now I can do it with another legend. For Manny, is this guy is good. Nobody gave him credit against uh, Floyd Mayweather. I think he's going to be even better this time. I'm going to probably get a way better uh, uh, Connor McGregor yeah. than Floyd did. So it's a challenge for Manny. And given what Manny does, I mean, the guy works 24-7 between his political career and, yeah. and he still trains at his age. I mean, he's, I'm, he's a machine. So it's just a different, it's a different level of interest for both guys. But I do believe Conor versus Floyd again, he beats him. I don't think Floyd ever takes it. No, Floyd's taking YouTubers for a paycheck right now. Floyd doesn't want to... Floyd, he could take Manny, Floyd could take Manny Pacquiao as a rematch. You don't see him taking that fight. Floyd could take Conor McGregor for a rematch. You don't see him taking that fight. But he'll take a Logan Paul. He'll take, he'll take the, the young Japanese fighter he fought previously. I think that's what Floyd's going to do. One, Floyd, Floyd doesn't want... Floyd, Floyd knows he, 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 he will lose if he takes on either Manny Pacquiao or, or Conor McGregor. Just quickly on Floyd Conor. The, one of the big parts of that in the build-up was was the trash talk, which was so over the top. It was almost it was almost circus-like. It was almost yeah. pantomime-like. Yeah. You, you almost felt like these guys don't actually mean it. They're just hyping it up. And sure enough, after the fight, they were they were quite amicable with one another. That won't be the case because Manny doesn't really engage in that kind of in that no, kind of and, trash and talk. No, and Conor respects Manny too. I mean, I think Floyd and and Conor had some banter, and there was a little bit of a you know chip on the shoulder, if you will, right, uh, from, on both sides. Um, and Is there genuine were, animosity? I don't know if it was genuine animosity. Cause I know they both respect each other either. Now, you know, I think, I think there's, when you get two ultimate type A competitors around each other, right, especially those two who, who are, have amazing 
an amazing gift for gab, as we say. Right? Yeah. Amazing ability to speak and talk trash and, you know, it, it starts to build that way. It starts to feel that way. You start to feel that tension, right? So it is real in the heat of the moment. When it's all said and done, they're still part of the same fraternity. As I was saying, even in the MMA, they they still both make those walks. You got to respect each other when you do that. They still represent a platform and a sport that they both love. They still both could change the world and make an impact the same way. So, when it's all said and done, there's a lot of respect there. You know, even with the with I'd say the the biggest uh, foes when they face one another, whether it's on an individual sport basis or even on a club base or team base, team sport basis, right? Just on that, Oddie. There's always always animosity to some extent. Give us uh, a semblance then, because I will admit to you, uh, as you're sat in front of me, I felt a little duped. Uh, I did feel as if it was pantomime. I did feel it was a little bit WWE, and I was a little nauseated when in the middle of the ring they came and hugged, and I just felt, you know what? They've done us all a bit of a kipper here. They are banking a lot of money. Can I tell you the energy on these world tours were... were, I mean, I'm sure you guys had friends, particularly maybe the the London one, but the energy inside these these world tour stops was real. Like, it wasn't just them. It was the crowds. They pulled into it. Man, I I remember Toronto. When we went out on stage in Toronto, the energy... (laughs) Was something else. I mean, I'm again. I'm getting Goosebumps, goosebumps yeah. just, just thinking, thinking back on that. But, but on that, the difference and, and, and these and these athletes feed off that. Yeah, of course right? they do. So it's not it's not a show. It's not scripted. It's not. Hey, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. No, it's raw energy. How right? did it differ though? At the end, you've said there respect, great respect between Mayweather and Connor. How did that differ to Connor Habib? Because there is no doubt, and we spoke to Habib. He felt that that Connor. I think you have a lot of people in Khabib's camp that do too much talking for him. And that stoke the flames and that say things that may, may not get picked up as, as much as what Connor says back, but that were equally as bad. But behind the scenes, Audie, did they shake hands? They certainly didn't in the octagon. There was no behind the scenes shaking hands. Even with Floyd, there was no behind the scenes shaking hands. Usually when these fighters see each other, it's either in these press conferences, these world tours, the face-off, the weigh-ins, the post-fight press conferences, those are usually the only time when there's interaction. Yeah, unless there's a genuine friendship there, which happens on occasion, right? But for the most part, all promoters, boxing, MMA, they keep them separate for a reason, (laughs) right? Because, you know, again, going back to feeding off that raw energy and emotion, it's not scripted, but you feed off all this stuff, and then, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're still in combat sports. At the end of the day, it's not like saying, right, face off, ready, go, patty cake, patty cake. No, you're still going in to compete and hurt, you know, at the end of the day, someone could get hurt because this is a serious, this is a serious sport. You mentioned that fraternity. If Connor and Khabib bump into each other in, in their dotage at sort of 70 years of age, do they, do they shake hands then? I would tell you, I, I would tell you if, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if I had anything to do with it, inshallah, as we say, yeah. of, of course they should do that. Of course they should reconcile. But time will tell. At the end of the day, time will tell. There's still a real rivalry. I wish Khabib all the best in his retirement. He decided to come out of retirement. We were able to see that great rematch. It will be amazing. I know the fans will want it. But ultimately, whether it's Conor Khabib, Floyd Conor, Manny Conor, right? They all have the ability 
to build a bridge of understanding, respect, right, through sport. And in the end, they all have to remember that. And if you're a part of any other camp, it's also part of your responsibility to remind them that as well, mm. as opposed to stoking the flames and 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 making things worse. Well, you've uh, stated that you feel that were there to be a Mayweather-McGregor rematch, that your man would win that. You're, you're pretty confident of that. Could Lloyd, be. call me. <laughs> Manny, Connor, find we'll, someone real. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I, I wonder if there was to be a rematch between Khabib and Connor. What did Connor learn from that first bout? And are you as confident that if Khabib could be tempted out of retirement for another fight, that Connor absolutely would do? Should be a different. He's a, Connor's a different person right now. He's just not going. He's not going to, to keep falling. The change. I think just experience, experience, life experience, sport experience, experience. You got to go through the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, to break through to that next version of yourself. It's kind of like training. You, you, you hit a wall, you're so sore, you don't want to train. But you know if you end up going in there, breaking all that lactic acid is really how you're going to get the gains. It's no different. No different from life experiences, you know, to, you know challenging yourself from an from a, from a, from a intellectual standpoint. The mind, the body, still have to constantly be fed and constantly evolve for you to, to be the best version of yourself until the day you die. We wanted to find out a little bit more about that potential McGregor-Pacquiao bout and whether there was a possibility that the two men will face off in 2021. Is it inevitable, Audie? I definitely believe it's ine- inevitable in 2021. Both fighters want it. That's the key. You can't make something happen or orchestrate it or, or choreograph it as, we, as, as the, as the buzzword of, yeah. of, of this uh, interview, right? You can't. You can't fake that. If one side wants it, as I doesn't want it, it's not going to happen. But when both fighters want that fight to happen, why wouldn't it happen? If the fans want to see it, that, that almost guarantees that it's going to happen, right? Because there's enough interest to develop something there. So it's, you know, initially we were looking at that being the next fight, and the plan was Connor wanted to have fun with it. He's like, I'll spar Dustin and donate to his foundation because he saw he was ready, raising money for his foundation. He said, no, no, I'll do the main fight. We'll just do a spar in MMA during camp. You know, the way he thinks is just, and I was like, okay, you know, so let's do that. But then the UFC said, oh, well, let's do that rematch. We said, okay, well, let's do that rematch first then. But then Manny will be the next fight. And, and, that's, that is- and, and that's what the, both fighters want. So, like, you know, that's... That's the plan, and we've been having amazing conversations with stakeholders from all over the world, including the Middle East, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes, but I mean, I think that, you know... Would, would you be shocked if it didn't happen in 2021? I'd be shocked if it didn't happen in 2021. Um, okay. Middle East. No, uh, again, I'm doing my maths. I'm not a very good mathematician. <laughs> Dubai, Coca-Cola Arena. Abu Dhabi, I think picks the box from a UFC perspective with their exclusive deal. I'm now heading over to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Manny Connor, where do you think that fits in the Middle Eastern landscape? I think there's a good chance that it could happen in this region because there is interest from the region, right? But it's still too early to tell, right? Because there's also interest from from Asia and, and, and then America as well. So it just depends on how things shake up and there's so many moving parts with that. You have to work through all the different elements t- 
to figure out where it will land. Uh, one thing we can safely say, it will not take place in Scotland. <laughs> Fair to say that. Fair to say. No, if we're going there, we got to go to the Emerald Isle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> got to honor my man, you know? Adi, i got to ask you about the recent announcement between Mayweather and the YouTuber oh. Logan Paul, because the WWE posted a, a, a screenshot of Mayweather's infamous fight with the, the Big Show. I put fight in inverted commas. And they put the tweet, this is now not the most strangest fight that Floyd Mayweather will ever be. That was well played by the That was very well played, right? I guess our question, and it's probably thematic to this interview, is when it comes to sporting integrity, when it comes to just this idea that this is nothing more than a shameless cash grab from... You can't say that to these guys. In my opinion, Floyd's earned his right to do that, okay? He's... It's not a sport, though, is it? Yeah, it's... Look, in my opinion, it's not anywhere near Connor. I know Connor was 0-0 as a boxer, technically, but he was a striker, grew up in boxing, right? Mm. Actually fights for a living, yeah. right? Not not trying to fight as as part of his overall arching entertainment career, right? So it's very different. Um, but Floyd's earned this right. If this, that's all he wants to do, that's great, but you that's not a real fight. See, you don't see it tarnishing or, or, or negatively impacting I the fight game in I, general? I think boxing has already been so fragmented and MMA's the dominant combat sport of the world. It just it just is right now, and the numbers will will, will confirm that, right? In terms of how big the fan base is, the consistent you know views and viewership that that, that particularly the UFC gets on, with their events compared to you know even the biggest boxing pay per views, which which don't necessarily do that well at all right. anymore, right? Um, but I do think that there's still a desire and an appetite for unique combat sports entertainment. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. I bought it. I was entertained. I loved that. I, I, I tuned in. And, I was a, I, and, and if Mike Tyson fought again, I'd probably watch again because I grew up loving watching Mike Tyson. I'm a huge fan of Mike Tyson. So there was a nostalgic element to, to that mm-hmm. event. Um, you know, this one doesn't have that necessarily, right? There's no nostalgic <laughs> element to this matchup, but it could be for some people and not others. Like, the, the event will have to take place, and then we could critique it and analyze it, I think, to say, did it do well? Was there was this, you know, was this a, a miscalculation, or, or did they hit it out of the park, and were we just all oblivious? I mean, I you know... That's that thing I don't know, but I think Floyd's earned that right to do that at this point in his career. But the reality of it is, is if, if he knows, there's a rematch with Manny Pacquiao, there's a rematch with Conor McGregor. I think those are the two serious fights for him that if he wanted to compete in, bo- in boxing again, those are the fights to make. Just to wrap up with you, if we can, Audie, I mean, when we look at the wider thing, because I think it's important to point out to our viewers and anyone listening to this, that Paradigm Sports far more than just Conor McGregor. And I know that's probably the questions you get asked the most, because he is Mystic Mac, he is this larger-than-life character, he, in a lot of ways, transcends the sports of MMA. Israel Adesanya, to be massively respectful to that man, there's a man who has done an awful lot inside the audience. 
is getting started. And he's too. only getting started. Yeah. So Chris Cyborg, I know, yeah. is also on your books. Josie Altidore in the world of football or soccer, as they say in the US. So from a paradigm sports perspective, what's to come in 2021? What are the other areas? What are the other vanguards that you want to be exploring and looking to continue to grow yeah. and evolve? No, as you say, you never, you never say it's never, never, No, no, no. We, we are, you know, so we're a multi-sport business and media platform, you know, agency, whatever you want to call it. But I really think of us as a platform because management is the core business. Trying to focus on high growth sports was our thesis and then vertically integrating and, and starting enterprises in, in, in sectors that align organically with our clients and or our ecosystem, right? So what's next? We just closed, we, we, obviously our, so, our football soccer acquisition yeah. happened last year. That's been going phenomenal for us. We have another acquisition within combat sports. We're just closing now. I, I can't go into detail. The term sheet's been signed. So it's growing those core businesses, getting into other high-growth sports, and then continuing to roll out more ventures. We have more consumer products that are coming out. We launched a video game in, in, a, in a studio in, in the mobile gaming space. We have a health and wellness venture coming out, a fitness venture coming out. We have some more ventures for not just Connor, but other clients that are in the works as well to just continue to replicate and scale our model and continue to prove our concept so it's exciting and to me you know it's a blessing I, I don't look at this as work I look at this as the opportunity to create and fulfill my own personal and professional purpose through sport because that's that's been a huge part of my entire life and of course you're always on the lookout for the next corner because that will be well, that's, that's one of the reasons grew, right? why we also launched Paradigm Sports International in, in, in our Dubai office really is because it it is a it is a hub not only for the financial world, where and and also really access, right? You you have access to, to most of the world from here, but also the region. You know, being I was born in Iraq, Baghdad, Iraq. I, I have a huge, huge, you know, soft spot for the Middle East just because of who I am and 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 where I come from. And I do believe that these athletes are underserved. And they don't necessarily have the same platforms that you know we have in Europe and America, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're good, you're going to progress and you're going to get the opportunities. You're starting to see more of that now. You know, you have the royal family here has been a huge part of the jiu-jitsu world for a long time. Yeah. You know, and, and it was probably they were part they were part of that world before that world was cool. Yeah, and mainstream to the mainstream mind, right? So. To, to, to now see where, where combat sports has gone and really where jiu-jitsu and MMA have evolved to is exciting. And now you're giving an opportunity to the next Conor McGregor coming from this region. And that's why we've also aggressively tried to sign top athletes from this region. Amir Al-Bazi, Mohamed Mikhaev, Fatima Zahra was a new uh, judo champion from Morocco we just signed. So we're really also trying to focus and see if we could not only help find and discover, but more so nourish and grow, right? Because ultimately, you know, again, we're going back to when Connor and I started working together almost a decade ago, it takes a, a while to get to that to that place of, of stardom and or success, right? And that that is what we're excited about, just to kind of, kind of be part of that process and hopefully contribute in, in a substantive way to help also nourish and grow the talent from this region. 
Well, Andy, we're looking forward to seeing Connor twice in the yeah. Middle East yeah. in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I'm saying yes. That wasn't easy. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure thank pleasure. you for sparing so much time. No, thank you guys it's for been, having me. Uh, it's been a really, really uh, yeah. fun chat and a, a great insight into Absolutely. the paradigm and, yeah. and obviously the worlds of, yeah. of Manny and Connor and, and et cetera, et cetera. So we wish you a lot of success in the next couple of days. Thank you, Joe. Thank Look you. forward to catching up with you very soon, hopefully in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.